just trying to shoot the moon Isn't everything we've got that's just peas in a spoon Welcome to The Word Witch, a podcast for the modern magical soul, exploring tarot, astrology, belief, and more from a queer witch, that's me, in conversation with folks making magic from the margins. I'm your host, Claire Burgess. Let's make some magic. Hello, friends, witches, otherlings, lovers, queers. Uh, hi, everyone, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of the Word Witch Podcast. Um, it's me, Claire Burgess, and I am here to talk about the lovers today. The lovers and Gemini and the sixes and the devil. <laughs> but First, um, some quick announcements that I want to go through real quick because I've got a lot to say. First, um, if you haven't checked it out already, go over to fifthspirittarot.com to check out the deck that I'm making. I've got uh, most of the cups and swords on there and almost half of the pinnacles and uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about it. And so I want to share it with everybody. Um, if you uh, are living in, if you live in Portland um, or the surrounding area and you want to learn directly with me, I am, I, I teach at PCC, Portland Community College, um, every semester. But this summer semester, I'm only offering one class because I have a lot of things going on this summer. So um, I'm just offering a session of my one day Saturday class. It's five hours long. It's great for uh, beginning beginners, like total total noobs to tarot or beginners with tarot. And we just sort of like we go through the system, the numerology, the basics. We talk about reading, um, the, the sort of ritual of a reading. We talk about intuition a little bit. It's a good um, beginner's primer for a reading tarot. Um, I'm just offering one of those. It's on July 20th, which is a Saturday. Uh, if you want to get more information about that, um, you can go to my website, thewordwitchtarot.com, and uh, go to classes and uh, find out more there. Now, that being said, I am also uh, thinking about hoping to offer um, something, a little class, a webinar, maybe towards the end of the summer uh, for all of those of you who aren't physically here in Portland to uh, learn with me in, in the same room as my body. <laughs> so if you want to, uh, if you want to hear about that as soon as it happens, as soon as it's announced, you can subscribe to my newsletter, which you can do at my website, thewordwitchtarot.com. And um, uh, that that thing goes out like once a month. So I won't be in your inbox all the time. Um, but that's the best way to get news as soon as it happens and um, get spots if they're limited. And sometimes I send out like discounts and coupons and stuff. For those of you who have been subscribers to my newsletter, you know that it like disappeared for like six months because 
I am only one person <laughs> doing this whole thing, but now I have uh, my partner Aaron is stepping in to help me out with some of the business area side of things um, and uh, uh, help make that more consistent. And he's going to be taking charge of making sure that that actually happens every month. So um, we're, we're doing well so far. We got two months down. Consistency. So yeah, join up, uh, subscribe to that. Um, if you want to find out about that uh, possible secret webinar that uh, I guess is not a secret now, uh, but the topic is secret that uh, will be uh, uh, happening uh, at the end of the summer, probably. Okay, I think that that is it for announcements right now. Yeah, I usually forget something, but it's cool. It's cool. Um, okay, let's get right into it and let's talk about the lovers and the sixes. I'm so excited. Okay, here we go. The lovers. So let's start with the number six. You all know that I like to start with the numerology. It's uh, it's how tarot makes sense to me. And the number six, the number of the lovers, is a, uh, gosh, just such a beautiful energy. It's the number of divine harmony and balance. Divine harmony and balance. It's the, like, oh, it's a, it's like a, it's a super sweet, sometimes bittersweet energy to be honest. Um, it brings us to a place of peace and realignment after the challenge of the five. So remember in the last episode, we talked about the Hierophant and the fives and how um, the fives are challenge and contraction and they they open us up to spirit and um, to uh, um, our evolution, um, to growing through challenge. Um, and in the six, uh, the six is where we rebalance after that. We re align, where we heal, or at least um, start healing it, if not completely heal. In the six, the six is two times three, like with multiplication, with math, two times three. Um, So that is the high priestess times the empress, right? The number of the high priestess times the empress. Um, And uh, the, the high priestess is that intuitive inner space, the subconscious, the empress is growth, is growth and creation. And so the six is this really massive, beautiful number of, of like um, inner intuitive um, uh, spiritual subconscious growth, right? It, it can also be outer growth, but with that, uh, with that note of, um, of, of alignment and like um, from a, like a deep anchor, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, the number six is also as two times three. It is the merging of even and odd, even and odd numbers. Um, so the six provides a foundation for the supporting and integrating of dissimilar energies, uh, even and odd. Um, it opens the door for us to be more than one thing, to have more than one truth, to be flexible and complex. Um, that might sound familiar to you from when um, we, uh, with some cards I've talked about in the past, like temperance, right? But but the lovers is the first place, the first card in the major arcana um, where we really hit that energy, right? Because lovers is six in the first line, temperance comes later. Um, lovers is where we we really get that that medicine for the first 
first time sort of full on the face at least. The number six also, it's uh, represented by the six pointed shape of the hexagon. Um, which is a shape with profoundly spiritual associations. Uh, it is at the center of the Star of David. Uh, the Star of David is also a six-pointed star, right? The hexagram is also also appears in the Tree of Life. The Star of David is also that that six-pointed star is. Um, if you look at it one way, it's the merging of the alchemical symbols for fire and water. So the upward pointing triangle of fire and the downward pointing triangle of water. Um, and then the if you can envision this, they sort of overlap in the Star of David. And then in that overlapping, they also form the alchemical symbols, the triangles for air and earth, which are triangles with an extra bar uh, through the middle. And so that's a really powerful symbol for the integration of the elements, the overlapping and integration of those four elements. The six is a symbol of simplicity in complexity. Um, it's the number of, I think of it, I think of it sometimes as a number of like simultaneousness, uh, simultaneousness and juxtaposition. Um, the the ability to to be um, multiple things, to have multiple truths, but to be unified at the same time. Um, it's of alignment in contradiction, of of perfection and imperfection. It's like the two. Um, it's a, it, it has it's a lot about cycles. Um, and we remember we talked about the six is two times three. So the two is in there. Um, and like that too, there's a connection to the cycles. Um, the six has connections to even and odd, peace and turmoil, contraction and expansion, expansion in the threes, right? Uh, complexity and simplicity, like I said. But while the, while the two is a more binary either or vision of it, at least on the surface, the six is that like, it's more like a crest and a trough. But it also includes all of the wave in between. Um, the six is just like, oh, I, I have, I'm having a hard time describing it in words. It's like a note that I'm hearing in my head. It's a musical note. It's like this clear, clear ringing bell. Um, yeah, yeah, just like angels singing. <laughs> um so guide words for all of the sixes um, that I use and that I teach um, are, of course, harmony and divine balance, realignment and rebalancing um, in general, but especially after a struggle, um, simplicity and complexity, and uh, mirrors and cycles, and healing after, um, after contraction, after turmoil. So with that, with that, hold on to that about the sixes, um, let's get in to talk about the lovers. So first, um, with the lovers, let's address the obvious, <laughs> the obvious part first. This card has two naked people on it, and it's called the lovers, <laughs> uh, which I think gives a pretty strong um, impression of what it might mean to a lot of people. But uh, the lovers doesn't have to be about love. 
about um, romantic love or about sexual love. It can be. It can be about those things. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but really, like the root of the lovers, um, the real medicine of it for most of us, most of the time, is in the hard damn work of loving ourselves. And yeah, I know, like, that's a little bit eye rolly. <laughs> like my, my diehard inner cynic is like rolling my eyes at that statement. But um, like, no, like that's real. And we need that. And especially we need that for the parts of ourselves that rolled their eyes at that statement. <laughs> um, so let's, uh, let's dig into that and talk about that a little bit. As we've talked about uh, the other cards before this, kind of in in sequence, uh, from the magician to the high priestess to the empress and the emperor and the hierophant, and now from the hierophant to the lovers, the lovers is um, sort of, it's an extension, um, it's a logical next step after the hierophant. So to recap a little bit about what um, we established on the hierophant last month, we talked about it being the card where you have to face uh, the sort of like orthodox, prevalent, popular belief systems and value systems in the world that are so often forced on us as young people and even as adults, but especially, you know, especially susceptible to those when we are, um, when we're kids, when we're teenagers, um, even when we're young adults, uh, while we're still forming, you know, our personalities are still forming. And the Hierophant is where we come face to face with those. And maybe we're forced to like um, go to anti-sex camp. Thank you. Thank you, Methodist Church, for that. <laughs> you know, and um, maybe we're taught these things about ourselves and our desires that really hurt us and fuck us up. Yes, I am still talking about anti-sex camp. I used to call it sex camp, by the way, but that sounded way too fun <laughs> because it was not, it was not sex camp. Um, anyway, <laughs> my point is in the Hierophant, those things are presented to us, uh, maybe, maybe foisted onto us and we maybe come under their sway for a time. Um, we maybe try to force ourselves to believe those things uh, because that's what we think we need to do in order to be happy and to be functional and to have approval from the people around us. And then in the Hierophant, we eventually get to the point where we have to make a decision for ourselves about what part of that we do believe, what what of those values are our values and what we don't believe and what are, are not our values. Um, maybe none of it is what we believe. Maybe none of it's our values or maybe there are some things that we are able to take from that um, and carry with us into a, a greater and different uh, vision of what we believe and have faith in and value. Um, and so the Hierophant uh, can be a really rough card, but it's such a necessary one too, because it is essential that we do those things and we do that work of looking orthodoxy in the face and and um, 
parsing through it and and saying yes and no and really thinking deeply about the things that are being taught to us and presented to us as truths so that we can then find our own truths. Now, the lovers is the next logical step from that, from card five uh, to, to six. We in the lovers go forth now. We, we have, um, we have at least started, initiated the path of saying no to what we don't believe and saying yes to what we do believe. And in the lovers, we, we, we take it away. We, we, we go. The scene on the lover's card in the Smith Waite, uh, Rider Waite deck and on, um, most of the decks that are, uh, predicated on that system shows uh, a scene from the Garden of Eden is what it's based on. Um, in, uh, in Pamela Coleman Smith's image, um, she has Eve on one side, Adam on the other. We got old, good old Satan the snake behind Eve in the Tree of Knowledge. Um, we have an angel above Adam and Eve that are like ushering them together. And um, if we can like get past um, the like... Uh, idea of man and woman joining as a unit in matrimony or sex. What the Garden of Eden is about on some level, on actually not on some level, on like the level, the primary level, is the first rebellion. The first rebellion. Um, my grandma, <laughs> my grandma, who I love very much, who just had her 100th birthday, Holy shit. <laughs> uh, happy, happy 100th birthday, Grandma. She doesn't listen to this podcast. She can barely hear. But she's still kicking it. And she's spunky. It's great. Um, my grandma used to, who was, who was raised in a, an earlier age and who was taught this and internalized this herself, um, which breaks my heart. But, uh, you know, this, this happens. Um, she used to say that the reason that women menstruate or the she would say the reason that women menstruate i'm going to say the reason that people with uteruses uh menstruate because not all people with uteruses are women the reason that some of us bleed is because eve ate the apple is because of the first rebellion as punishment now that's bullshit right we don't believe that we that's one of those things that we looked at and then tossed out in the Hierophant card, right? But that first rebellion, that rebellion, that eating of the apple, uh, which was probably more historically correctly a pomegranate, which we've talked about before with the high priestess and the empress, that rebellion was, that was a sacred rebellion. That was saying, you know, uh, this is a myth, right? It's just didn't actually like literally happen. It's a, it's a myth, but that was Eve saying like, no, thanks God, the father, I want to have knowledge, right? She, she eats the apple from the tree of knowledge. Um, and because of that, that knowledge, they had to be cast out of the garden. That's, that's the parable. That's how the saying goes. The tarot kind of reframes that though. And in, tarot, that rebellion, that act of um, eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge is reframed as a sacred act and a necessary act so that we can progress along our paths 
to um, our, like through our higher evolutions, through our spiritual um, evolution, all the way up from the lovers onward till we get to the world. And then we come right back around to the fool, right? It's a necessary gateway to rebel. Now, what is that rebellion? Um, It's the rebellion of choosing yourself, of choosing yourself over and like your, your, your true self, not the self that your parents would like you to be, not the self that your boss wants you to be, uh, not the self that you need to be in order to fit in with the cool kids or your friends or whatever. Um, not the self that is, um, um, celebrated and held up as, uh, like right and, uh, beautiful and, uh, successful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lovers is where we find and look at and accept and embrace our, our, our true selves, our real selves. In the Hierophant, we kind of dig through all that bullshit. And then in the lovers, we do the hard work of, 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 of looking our real selves in the face and choosing ourselves and taking our own hands and walking down our own solo path. Um, so I, you know, I, I want to push back again a little bit against the idea of the lovers um, having to be Actually, I'm going to push completely back against the idea of the lovers having to be a card about um, you and, and another person because it, there, it does not have to be about that. It can be, but it absolutely does not have to be because really deeply, I think the lovers is a card about ourselves, about loving ourselves and choosing ourselves. And um, even more, it's about loving and accepting and gently, gently holding the parts of ourselves that we maybe don't like. Loving the parts of ourselves that we don't like. Loving the parts that we have been socialized to be ashamed of or to hide or to downplay or to hate even. And, you know, uh, I'm queer. Hello, I'm queer. <laughs> and this uh, this is June, which is Pride Month. And so ugh, the lovers um, and, and the sign of Gemini, which is we're in right now in June for most for most of June. Um, this holds such necessary, important medicine for queer people. Um, I just taught a Queer in the Tarot workshop um, with the Queer Resource Center at PCC. And one of the cards that we talked about was the lovers and how to work with it, um, how to do queer workings with it in order to heal (laughs) all of this bullshit that so many of us queer people have to to deal with and and reckon with in order to be be fully ourselves and proudly ourselves and that's one of those things is 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 relearning those parts of ourselves that we've been taught are 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 wrong are shameful etc etc also it's also seeing ourselves reflected in the queer community around us. That's important this month. Um, every time um, that 
you and this is this is getting in a little bit into another um another piece of the levers that I want to talk about every time that you see somebody like listen to a podcast and and vibe with what a person is is saying or sharing um especially if it's something personal about themselves or every time that you you read an Instagram post and you feel that sort of kinship with what the person is sharing um, or going through, that, my friends, that experience, that is lovers. That is lovers magic right there because you are seeing yourself reflected in another person's experience. You're seeing yourself reflected in another human. Um, And so that is the um, Gemini one of the Gemini aspects of the lovers, that that twin aspect, that twin energy, um, finding ourselves reflected and validated in another person. Um, Lindsay Mack of the Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast teaches this as mirroring, as as uh, finding ourselves mirrored in another human, and that is such a beautiful, necessary, validating healing experience to have. And that's one of the ways that the lovers works outside of ourselves. So there's there's that inner work, that inner partnering and loving and, and embracing um, the inner mirroring, twinning, but also the outer aspect where we see that, see the the beautiful and the hard parts of ourselves reflected from the from the outside world and find validation and healing and maybe even growth through that inspiration through that um when the lovers operates as relationships with other people outside relationships outside of ourselves any relationship that it shows up in reference to is going to be one where there's some sort of important uh, reflection or growth that comes from that relationship. The lovers can show up in unexpected ways with that too, because maybe through um, your interactions with a person who like you're totally not in love with, maybe that still um, sort of holds up a necessary mirror to you in order to see yourself more clearly and see how you're operating in the world and, you know, maybe have like a, a realization or wake up around that so that you can adjust and evolve, right? So wrap up on the lovers. This card is about the hard work of setting out on our own, of, of doing our own rebellion and choosing ourselves, choosing ourselves. Um, there is the you know, I've, I have no idea who very who was the very wise person to say this for the first time, but um, everything that you lo- are looking for in another person um, is something that you can find in yourself, right? There's there's this um, bi- this misconstruing of the purpose of romantic relationships that happens a lot of the time, where we have this idea that another person completes us that we find our missing half and that exists in a lot of the older um, interpretations of the lovers. But I, you know, that's, I think that that's a really unhealthy way to look at romantic relationships and to look at any relationships. Um, 
we do not need to be completed by another person. We are whole already. We are whole in and of ourselves. And the more we run around in the world trying to find somebody else to fill our holes, to to uh, heal our wounds, to take up the gaps that we feel in ourselves, the more unhappy and frustrated we're going to be. Um, or, I mean, maybe we don't, maybe we won't be Maybe we won't consciously even realize that unhappiness, and we're going to talk about that in the devil. Um, but that's not uh, that's not the way to true happiness and, f- and fullness and, and wholeness in yourself. A partnership with any human being is just such a wonderful um, experience and such a wonderful um, uh, sort of relationship connection to have whether that's romantic or friendship or whatever, it can be a huge solace, a huge boon, a huge, um, um, it can be, you know, an instrumental part of our lives and of our paths. But in order to find a relationship like that, most of the time, um, we need to we need to understand how to be full in ourselves first and how to partner with ourselves first because um, otherwise, there's um, we're just going to be disappointed otherwise. We're just going to be disappointed. <laughs> there's nobody out there that can complete you except for you. <laughs> and if you feel like you have holes, if you feel like you're not complete, if you feel like you're missing something, um, then, you know, I mean, I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. I've I have been there definitely, definitely been there. Still, still wind up there sometimes. Um, but if you feel that way, I encourage you to pull the levers out of your deck and try to actively work with that card and keep that in mind. So you can, um, to, to examine those, those, um, what feel like vacancies and see if they actually are, or if there's a way that you can step up for yourself to fill those gaps. Maybe they're not gaps at all. <laughs> um, it's hard work. It's hard work. And it can feel really lonely. Um, but the end results um, of that practice and that cultivation of a relationship, a partnership with yourself, uh, of self-love and loving yourself and, and um, being your own best friend is so, so goddamn rewarding. Um, so yeah, I encourage you, encourage you all to do that. All right, let's go on to the next card. Let's talk about the devil, the higher, um, uh, the next evolution of the lovers. So the lovers is number six. The devil is number 15 and five plus one or one plus five rather is six. So maybe this comes as a surprise to no one (laughs) that the devil is the flip side of the lovers. If you put the lovers and the devil card, but side by side from the Smithwaite Rider Waite deck, you will see that they are kind of, they're like the devil is a dark mirror of the lovers. Um, You got two naked people in the same positions as uh, the lovers are instead of the angel above the lovers. um, 
in the lover's card, there's a devil, there's Satan um, over the lovers and the devil card. Um, and so how is the devil the like higher octave of the lovers? Well, my friends, um, that's because the devil is like the uh, graduated masterclass in devil, in, in devil, in lover's work. So the devil um, is not about Satan. Um, it's not about demons. Uh, it is about us. It is about our um, own internal demons. Um, it is about oppression. It's about bondage. It's about um, anything, any and all of the things that hold us down that tie us down and keep us restrained and constrained and from being free in our own spiritual freedom, our own spiritual evolution. In the image on the devil card, um, I want to draw your attention to the chains around the necks of the two human figures um, and to notice that they're kind of like loose, like it's like a loose loop of chain that's sort of just laid over these people's shoulders. Um, they're not like, their hands aren't tied, their feet aren't tied, they're not even as bound up as, as some of the other images we see in tarot, like of um, the Eight of Swords. And that figure is is wrapped all around. The figures in, in the devil, they're just like, I mean, they almost look happy. They're like chilling. <laughs> um, they seem to be totally cool with the situation that they find themselves in. Um, so what is up with that? Well, that's because um, either they have convinced themselves that they're cool with the situation that they're in. Or maybe they are in a place of um, sort of dependence on whatever thing is, um, is, is keeping them down. Or a lot of the time in the devil, those chains are ones that we're not conscious of yet. Maybe those two figures look so chill and happy because they don't really realize the, the truth of the situation that they find themselves in. Rachel Pollack has a teaching about this in 78 Degrees of Wisdom. She says, um, and this is a quote, uh, in a great many situations, people only become consciously unhappy when they realize that life holds other alternatives. Yeah, like that's, um, mm, that's, that's fucking real. <laughs> uh, sometimes we don't realize that we are in a bad situation until we realize that there's something different out there. Um, that till we realize that we could be happier, that we could be more joyful, that we could be healthier. Um, that's the devil. When the devil shows up, it's not to say, it's not to be like a boogeyman that jumps out of the closet and says like, you're doomed. Um, it's not saying that like something bad is, is going to happen to us. Um, or anything like that. It's, it's the devil shows up to draw our attention to those chains, to draw our attention to what is holding us down and keeping us down and what's harming us, uh, which we may not be looking at, we may not be aware of. 
the devil um, can be, that can be difficult. The devil can sometimes come up for us again and again and a fucking again because we keep denying that invitation to consciously acknowledge those chains and then start the work of taking them off. It's it's not always easy to do that. It's not. Sometimes, like, the acknowledgement of it is the hardest part. Um, and, and that acknowledgement alone can lead us into the next card um, in the Major Arcana, which is the Tower. Um, a total like revision visioning of our reality um, but we're not we're not there yet getting ahead of myself um, and you know if we compare this to the lovers card um, if we compare the the devil's um, sort of state of um, being either complicit in your own bondage, or in denial of it, or just not conscious of it, if we compare that to the lover's card, um, where we are doing that work of mirroring and of, of really sort of um, dropping in to our own insides and looking at our, ourselves in the, in the mirror um, and beholding what's there with clear eyes, um, the the devil sort of like takes that to the next level and is like look within yourself look around you the devil supports us in the conscious evaluation of our lives and what's serving us and what illusions and delusions we may have that are keeping us in the same place for fear of what's out there if we take the chains off. Um, I, I want to share a, um, um, I want to share briefly a little story about a, a big way that the devil has showed up in my life. Um, and that, uh, is in my relationship with Aaron, uh, the person I am about to marry. <laughs> um, so when Aaron and I first got together, I pulled a card for our relationship because, you know, like, of course I did that. Of course I did. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, I, I pulled a card for the nature of our relationship and what I got was the devil. And that was, you know, surprising. I was like hoping for some like 10 of cups or, you know, or maybe the lovers or two of cups, you know, one of those, one of those, one of those nice cards. Um, and I got the devil <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that card could not have been more fucking prophetic and not because our relationship was oppressive or destructive or some, some, something like that. Um, instead, because of the opposite, because through knowing Aaron, um, I have like, more chains in my life have become visible more quickly than I could have believed. 
more quickly than I could handle sometimes. <laughs> but um, it's like, and for both of us, that's true. For for me and for Aaron both, by virtue of knowing each other and being with each other, we have had to identify and break more chains in our lives just to, just to be together than I would have thought possible. And through the act of doing that, yeah, that can be fucking hard. That can be hard. It can be challenging and contractive. But through the act of doing that, we've only become each of us individually more and more ourselves and more free, more spiritually free. Um, and, And I just think that that is like... Yeah, I might I might go into some more details on that on on Patreon when I do the the episode on the sixes for Patreon, which uh, will probably be out in July. Just FYI, by the way. Um, but uh, I think that that is a really um, I, I felt called to share that little bit about pulling the devil for our relationship because I feel like there might be somebody out there who needs to hear it. Um, that's what I'm getting. And I think it's also just a really interesting um, sort of manifestation of the devil and the lovers at the same time, right? Like um, the devil can feel like um, a frog in hot water, you know, like the temperature is going up and up and, and starting to boil and the frog just acclimates and doesn't realize that it's boiling. The devil shows up to let us know it's boiling, <laughs> and that we can jump out of the fucking water. That's what the devil shows up to do so that we can then identify the devil in our own lives and say, not today, Satan. <laughs> the devil is a huge ally for us or the devil card is a huge ally for us, I should say. I also talked some more um, about some other ideas about the devil on Oh, a previous podcast episode, it was during Capricorn season. It was the one where I talk about Capricorn. Um, so that would have been back in uh, January. So check that out if you want to hear um, some other ideas about um, the devil card. Uh, but I've been talking for like almost 50 minutes already. So let's move on to the minor sixes. So the minor sixes, again, let's return to the idea of the number six as being a card of divine harmony and balance. Um, and I think that also can apply to the devil, right? Like the devil is a, is a profound imbalancing um, in our lives where we are not in harmony with ourselves. Um, but the devil's invitation is to like figure out, like to, to um, uh, realize that and then to start the work that we need in order to find that rebalancing and that right alignment and harmony for ourselves. Um, but in the six of cups, we, um, or in all of the sixes, we can see that, um, in different ways through, uh, the way the six interacts with each of the elemental energies of the minor suits. So, uh, starting with the six of cups, Let's look at that. The The Six of Cups is a card that is often um, uh, often chalked up to being about childhood or nostalgia. Um, and 
Sure. I mean, sure. Yeah. The Six of Cups can come up uh, to talk about childhood and nostalgia, but I think larger and um, more more expansively, it talks about um, it talks about memory in that way. Not necessarily nostalgia, not necessarily childhood, but really any memory. Um, and also about sweetness and joy, sweetness and joy. And for me, the Six of Cups is actually a pretty hard card, or it was a really hard card for a long time. I wrote about this on Instagram um, uh, somewhat recently when I shared the image of the Six of Cups from from um, my deck from Fifth Spirit Tarot. Um, so check that out if you want to hear a little bit more about the Six and uh, my sort of interpretation of it. But um, for me, the Six of Cups showed up for a very long time, time and time and time again, to talk about trauma. It showed up when something was coming up in my life, something was coming back in from the past, um, and specifically something that was triggering from the past. Um, And so I really hated it. (laughs) I hated this card for a long time. And... Only really in the last year um, have I like really realized why the Six of Cups, why it was the Six of Cups that showed up to when I was feeling triggered. Um, And here's why. It's not because the Six of Cards, the Six of Cards, the Six of Cups is a card that's about trauma. It's not. It's a card that is about sweetness and joy. And that's why it's associated with childhood so often is because of that sort of like childlike innocence and sweetness and just like the purity of like an open heart um, before we're all fucked up and jaded by the world. (laughs) Um, But the reason that it would show up when I was feeling triggered um, was A, to acknowledge the difficulty of some of these things that have happened to me in the past was to acknowledge my trauma, was to acknowledge my PTSD, and also to remind me that sweetness and happiness and joy and safety are available to me. That I can have those things despite the monsters in my past, despite the shit that haunts me and that I'm still working through, um, that sweetness and joy, we all deserve that. And it is available to all of us, to all of us. We can find that place inside of ourselves. We can choose to do the really, um, really difficult sometimes work of trying to open our hearts to find that, to find that joy and allow it, allow it in or allow it out or experience it despite the fact that we have been conditioned to think that we can't have it, to think that it's not available to us. It is, it is, it is, it is. Um, so it's not so much about like childhood or children, but it's about that that lovely energy 
like six of cups is kind of like pure like like the most six sixish sixy not sexy but sixy <laughs> energy in the minors i think like the purest just that note that ringing note of the harmonious six um that i was talking about at the very beginning um yeah yeah sweetness and joy is available to you and to me and to all of us and that's the six of cups um also, um, as a card of realignment after the struggle of the fives, this applies to all of the sixes, um, all of the sixes and the minors and otherwise. But yeah, I mean, I think we can see how the six of cups realigning and rebalancing and figuring out how to to um, come out of the five of cups with its with its uh, feelings of, of grief and loss and mourning and remember that joy still exists, that six of cups. Um, let's talk about the six of pentacles. Uh, the six of pence is about the cycle of giving and receiving. The uh, pentacles, as we all know, as you all know, um, are about all earthly things. It's about, they're about the body. They're about the earth. They're about our resources. Yes, they can be about our finances as well. They're about our home and hearth and comfort. And the six reminds us that we can be in equilibrium and harmony with the cycle of things, with the physical, natural ebb and flow um, and in our physical spaces. So the six of pentacles can show up to ask us, are, are we balanced in the cycle of giving and receiving? Are we giving too much? Are we taking too much? Are we asking too much? Are we being, um, uh, is, is something like leeching away from us? Um, where in that cycle are we at? Or are we at a place of equilibrium? Uh, do we need to give more? Like, do we have extra that we, uh, instead of hoarding, can can give to someone who needs it? Um, or on the flip side, do we need to receive more? And after the five of pentacles, which um, among other things uh, that we talked about last month, uh, is about an experience of contraction on like the earthly material realm where we maybe like we we are in in fear that we don't have enough or maybe we do not actually have enough the six is a rebalancing after that where we understand that um like we talked about last time the five the fifth of the five of pentacles is where spirit comes in to flesh to the material plane and we we learn um to while we're suffering to to sustain ourselves to sustain ourselves on spirit the six is where we understand that we take that forth into the world and through that trust we're able to participate in this cycle of giving and receiving um without fear that if we give to somebody else that that just disappears and we can't give anything because then we're without and somebody else has and we have to hoard and we have to be greedy. Um, and and we can participate in that cycle with the trust that um, we are provided for, which, you know, sounds is a super privileged way of looking at things. 
now that I hear myself say that out loud, because the world that we live in is not one where uh, that is is aligned, such as in Six of Pentacles. And so it is not necessarily always true that people can trust to receive um, when they don't have enough uh, because of the, you know, capitalist patriarchy and the hierarchy that exists in our world. Um, but the Six of Pentacles, uh, that makes the Six of Pentacles all the more necessary as a card that we really need to um, uh, focus on realigning in are the world that we live in now um, with things like reparations paid to uh, people who have been um, enslaved and oppressed and um, who have been stolen from. Um, so, you know, just want to go ahead and like call myself out there for um, talking about the Six of Pentacles as if we live in that world. <laughs> um so yeah, there's something to, there's, there's a little something for you all to uh, take home and uh, think about with the Six of Pence. Um, let's talk about the Six of Wands. The Six of Wands asks us um, to celebrate ourselves, to celebrate ourselves, to hold up our joys and accomplishments and successes and like pat ourselves on the back for the growth that we have achieved. And um, this is also a reminder that success shows up in different ways. It's not all about promotions at work and winning awards and like, I don't know, um, big outer kudos, but it's about the small successes too. It's It can be like um, using healthy tools to pull yourself back from an anxiety attack. Uh, it can be saying no to an invitation from your brain and to self-destructive behavior. Like, hold on to the triumphs, you know? If, like, so if the Six of Wands shows up for you in a situation where, like, you don't feel like everything's coming up roses, um, it's probably because the Six of Wands is telling you that the best way to help yourself right now, the best way to ground yourself is to identify the good things, count the good things, count the triumphs, and anchor yourself in that. The Six of Wands asks us, how are we growing? What do we need to hold up right now as a celebration and as a success? Uh, it tells us to, you know, maybe to quit kicking our own ass and to enjoy the parade for a second <laughs> or for longer than a second, to not just like demand more and more and more and better and better, better from ourselves, but to, you know, give ourselves, um, our own little party for being who we are and doing what we've done and just acknowledging that and celebrating it on our paths and to believe and to believe that we are worthy of the good things. Yeah, we are worthy of the good things and we are worthy of the things that we have received whether they're like accolades or awards or recognition or like projects or whatever that we are worthy and we are capable we have the ability to do those things and that's why we have them 
uh, reversed. The six of wands often talks about imposter syndrome. Um, the feeling, the fear that like we're faking it and that we, we, um, aren't the people that we're purporting to be. Six of wands upright is like, yes, you are actually reversed. It is also like, yes, you are. Um, you are, uh, being celebrated for a reason. Enjoy it. <laughs> Accept it. Enjoy it. Feel it. And lastly, the Six of Swords. The Six of Swords is transition. Um, it is moving forward from choppy waters into smoother waters. Uh, and we can see that image on the Smithwaite cart with the boat. Um, there's waves behind it and smooth waters in front of it. Um, this card, Six of Swords, is a realignment after the contraction of the Five. And if the Five of Swords was about choosing to disengage from shitty fights and from thoughts that hurt us, from things that hurt us, situations that hurt us, the Six of Swords is about rebalancing during the movement away from those things. Like this is the journey onwards, right? In the five of swords, we walk down to the water. We go down to the water. In the six of swords, we find ourselves in the boat, right? We are in the boat. We are moving on to the next shore. Um, however, the six of swords also acknowledges that, um, we can't always make a clean break. Um, we we can't always uh, leave the swords behind us on the last shore. In the card image, uh, there are all six swords are being carried in the boat with the passengers, and there's a, there is a kind of somber look to this card, and it can feel kind of somber, and that's because. Sometimes we carry the hurts with us. Sometimes we have to pick ourselves up and get our asses into the boat and pedal, not pedal, paddle forwards while we are still bleeding, while we're still hurt. And that's okay. That's okay. The Six of Swords find us, finds us in the middle ground, in a liminal space, because it's a card about transition, right? Um, we're not at the other shore yet. We are in between. We're in the waters. We are, we are not quite here nor there. So in this way, it really does bring in that Six energy of realignment. And here, we, we might not feel like we have super steady ground beneath our feet. Because we're in a boat, we're in the water, and and yet we are asked to proceed forwards anyway, to proceed forwards on, on the trust that the waters will be smoother, the next shore will be better, and to carry those swords with us if we have to, but not to let them weigh us down. We can do great fucking things and have good things happen in our lives and feel good and feel happy even while we are not fully healed, even while we are still carrying around wounds. It's like really unreasonable, I think, to, to think that 
any of us are ever like fully okay. (laughs) That sounds bleak, but I don't mean it to be bleak. I mean it to be real. We all have swords. We all have swords that we're carrying around in our boats. Uh, We are all in some ways, um, in some areas of our lives, pretty constantly in that boat between shores. And the beautiful, beautiful medicine of the Six of Swords is that that's okay. It's in moving forward anyway. It's in going, yeah, okay, I've got these six swords that I can't, for whatever reason, quite leave behind. But that doesn't mean that I have to, like, that I'm stuck. That doesn't mean that I have to stay on on the past shore. I can move forward and I will move forward and I will try to get to someplace better and I will try to better myself and better my life even if I'm not totally okay right now and I can do it. And when we're in the in-between, the Six of Swords tells us that's exactly where we need to be. It's exactly where we need to be. We're on the journey. The journey to divine harmony and balance (laughs) and realignment. The journey of the lovers. Boom. (laughs) And there it is, my friends. There is the sixes. Oh, thank you from the bottom of my goddamn heart for being here and listening to this whole thing. I think this was a long one. Um, I, uh, probably when you hear this, um, I'm going to be like in the madness of like family and friends arriving and like getting ready for this wedding. And I really, really, really wanted to get this podcast out before that, um, because I wanted it to come out during Gemini season and I wanted to talk about the lovers and I wanted to talk about the devil and I wanted to talk about the sixes because, I just feel like these cards hold really potent medicine for all of us right now, um, just in in the collective, in all of us. Um, I know that they have for me in huge ways, and part of the sixes, like rebalancing and realignment, is sometimes like this difficult purge feeling that happens, like as we as we discover ourselves, as we discover our joy as we find our balance and partner with ourselves to walk our paths sometimes um that that comes actually a lot of the times that also comes alongside with sort of like exercising some demons with some devil work too it's necessary If you want to join my Patreon and help support this podcast um you can do that at patreon.com slash the word witch tarot for as little as two dollars a month and you get a deeper look into the cards that we talk about here on the podcast uh you also get a collective reading every month um you get first looks at um new fifth spirit cards as i create them and process videos on those right now i'm a little bit behind with uploading the ones that i have because wedding preparations. (laughs) But um, yeah, you also get access to 
the full backlog of all of the extra podcast stuff and readings I've put on there. Um, there's some, uh, my, my workbooks, um, that I give out to my classes are available for free PDF download on there. So, um, please go check that out and help support this very free podcast for everyone and, um, help support the making of Fifth Spirit Tarot and help support this queer witch right here while, um, I am taking off work to go on my honeymoon and so I'm making less money. <laughs> But um, whether you do that or not, you can also help me out a ton by rating this podcast. Give it five stars if you've enjoyed this. Uh, you can review it with your words if you want to. But if you just want to give some stars, I would that's deeply appreciated. And it helps other people find us. And you can tell your friends. And you can share it on social media. And that helps other people find this podcast. And uh, all those things you can do for free. So, uh, yeah. That's it. I'm going to stop talking now. Gemini has me just running away out the mouth. Thank you, Mercury. And... The end. <laughs> See y'all in uh, cancer season for a look at the chariot. Till then, bye. We're running in circles, but we live with lines. We put ourselves in boxes when the air is just fine. We're digging down to the earth to find the sky. We're always asking when, but never why. You've been listening to The Word Witch. Our theme music is Counting Rice by Bitches in the Beehive. Their album Itty Bitty Spaces is out now. The Word Witch is written, produced, and recorded by me, Claire Burgess. Our logo is designed by me too. Editing and tech support come from Danu Vino. You can follow The Word Witch on Instagram at the.word.witch. You can book tarot readings, find out about upcoming classes, and join our newsletter at thewordwitchtarot.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, join my Patreon at patreon.com slash thewordwitchtarot. For as little as $1, you'll receive collective tarot readings, tarot and astro content, downloads of my zines, and podcast outtakes and extras. Plus, you'll help make this podcast possible and help support a working witch. If you have a question for The Word Witch, email us at thewordwitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay magical. Just trying to shoot the moon. Using everything we've got, that's just a piece of spoon. Ooh.